Hey everybody, Marco Casanova here, and thank you for tuning in to Desert Streaming. We at Desert Stream Ministries seek to equip Christians to gather in pursuit of radical wholeness, always keeping in mind Jesus' mercy and the dignity of men and women made in God's image, the Imago Dei. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please don't forget to share it with your friends. God bless you guys, and thanks again for tuning in. All right, everybody, welcome back to Desert Streaming. Abby Ford. I'm here. How you doing? Good. It's good to be here this morning. <laughs> yes. Um, I love this week. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but August 15th mm. is the day I was baptized. No way. Yeah. 29 years ago, I was baptized. Intentionally on that day? No. I, I mean, I don't know, actually. Hmm. Monsignor Tenney. Baptized you? He baptized me really cool yeah he was kind of a stud i never knew him like in my conscious sort of adolescence <laughs> he passed away before then but hmm. kind of a i think a, a pretty well-known priest in the archdiocese of galveston houston hmm. baptized his little baby well and why is august 15th so important our listeners may not know yeah so august 15th is the assumption of the blessed virgin mary now obviously i know some of our listeners are evangelical so it's like well what is that hmm. Why are we talking about that? But I do want to, I, I, I actually want to unpack that a little bit to make it a little bit more accessible to mm. people. Like, oh, is it just kind of exalting Mary? Y- yes, and. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, she's really important as the mother of God, the mother of Jesus. Um, but where she has gone, we hope to follow. Yeah. You know, there's two bodies in heaven. Hmm. Jesus, obviously, and Mary. There's There's two beating hearts in hmm. heaven, which is kind of, that's exciting for us. Mm. Like, it means that we have somewhere to go. You know, we have a direction, not only um, here on earth, like hopefully we have a direction to be fruitful, be it in our vocations, you know, married, you know, consecrated celibates mm. or whatever the case might be. But we also have a direction out outside of this world, mm. you know. And I think the assumption of marriage just gives us a window into mm. that. What do you think? I, I don't know the answer to this, Marco, so we'll put you on the spot. But oh what if like the, you know, the transfiguration and those who died showing up? And, oh, yeah. Like, are there other bodies in heaven? Do we, does the church believe that there are other bodies in heaven? Or do they just believe that, does it just believe that Jesus and Mary are mm. bodies in heaven? That's a good question. I mean, from my understanding, it's, it's only Jesus and Mary right now, wow. you know, but I think at the end of time, Obviously, we'll, we'll all be reunited mm-hmm. to our bodies. Like our bodies matter in our enjoyment of heaven. Like it, we're not, we're not, we're not ourselves in totality without our bodies. Hmm. Even if you go to Catholic cemeteries, it's kind of cool. Um, they're all facing the east, hmm. so it's kind of awaiting the sun. I mean, it was kind of an ancient thing that the the Lord will come from the east when He comes in glory. Hmm. Most churches were built on east-west axes or, or, or the, the dead were buried with their head looking towards the east, mm. awaiting the sun, <laughs> the S-O-N, to rise in his glory. Wow. And uh, so hopefully one day all of us will be bodily in heaven, you know. But I think Jesus and Mary, it's not like, oh, well, <laughs> cool for them. It's like, no, it's, it's actually giving us access to it. Of course, Jesus primarily most foundationally gives us access Mm -hmm. because the trinity now has a body you know but mary um where she has gone we all hope to follow right you know it's kind of cool i mean 
I don't know about for you, Abby. I know you just became a Catholic, mm-hmm. and uh, you've been rocking it. Mm. I feel like you're, <laughs> you're such an on fire Catholic. It's so cool. You're making me more on fire. Well, it is a byproduct of good community. I will say that my dad was visiting last weekend. Oh, yeah. He was helping me with this new house that I have, and getting doorknobs and ceiling fans and lights and all that. <laughs> and my dad's a faithful Lutheran, has been for many years, but. You know, he visited a couple parishes here in, in town that I frequent rather regularly and sent me a text just yesterday after leaving saying, you know, you've, you've got like some good church community wow. here, some good churches that you go to, which actually means a lot to me for my dad who would have some questions about Mary and like, what do you, what does the Catholic Church believe about that or the Pope? And it's great. I mean, I, I love it. It challenges me to think deeply about what I've just said yes to in becoming Catholic, these deeper Questions that I think do provide some, I mean, important conversations, but also some confusion. I think, yeah. honestly, the assumption of Mary would be one. I remember, I mean, I think I've maybe even said this on the podcast before in a blog or something, but, uh, you know, this this prayer walk that we did, you, oh, yeah. Andrew, and myself, and I kind of saw the last, the last picture, and it's called the Coronation of Mary, and this kind of tiled prayer walk, different pictures, scenes depicted from scripture, and... I remember seeing that and going like, uh, I don't know, where's that in the Bible? Like, I don't know about that. I, don't, I remember when Mary got, when Mary ascended to heaven in scripture. I don't think that's in there. And of course, I was actually just listening to a Scott Hahn podcast recently, and he was talking about, okay, what, you know, where in scripture is this idea of mm. Mary being assumed? And, and it's not explicit. It's not like detailed in scripture, but it is in a way... Uh, yeah, I mean, what he pulled from was Old Testament scriptures and passages in Revelation, and then also kind of Mary's encounter with God to mm. become the temple of Jesus, the first earthly temple for sure. And in that regard, her having this kind of prophetic call to become what we will all eventually be doing. I love that. She yes. is that. She's she is the church. The church is the temple of Jesus now. We all are little individual temples of Jesus now, and in that regard, we're like Mary. And so why wouldn't God kind of keep using Mary as a prophetic walker before us, like showing us what we're all to become? And in that way, it brought me a little more peace when the Lord said to me, because I said, God, like, I think I'm just going to be done this prayer walk now. I think I'll walk away. He said, no, Abby, don't don't actually walk away so quickly. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. God is, of course, is going to have the the last word. And and it's so good because his last word is always better than my kind of last word but he just said you know Abby like don't dismiss the glory that I've called Mary to because she's telling you where to go like she's showing you the glory that you're gonna come into someday and I was like oh well in that case lead on Mary (laughs) like I'll follow you because if you're doing what I get to do then in a way you're showing me what God's given me access to. So I remember that. Like yeah, you caught was, something that day. It was good. I remember it was that helpful. night we, cause yeah. we went to this shrine, mm-hmm. our lady of Guadalupe in Wisconsin. And, um, we all went on our separate ways. Mm-hmm. Remember for like a few exactly. hours just praying and we came back at dinner time and just like shared our experiences. And you, you like caught fire of this like prophetic Marian yeah. thing. I yeah. was like, what? I know. I'm like coming with like, yeah, I feel peace. And Abby's like, Mary is a prophetic witness. I'm like, dang, go, pray it out. Christopher West was kind of the first, I I think he was the first one 
to, to grow me a little bit in that because I went to Theology of the Body a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and, and he's kind of the one that, that gave me that idea, although in a different way. We were talking about the perpetual virginity of Mary oh, then yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I had to wrestle through that too. I'm sure. like, you know, this evangelical brain and heart formed in that world is going like, well, why did Mary have to be a virgin? Isn't God redeeming sex? Isn't it good? <laughs> it's like, well, true. But there was something again of what Mary what Mary was demonstrating for us. She was called to something beyond what we are called to, but in a way what we're all called to in the end and kind of being before the Lord in this perfect surrender, this perfect yes to be, you know, kind of temples for Jesus. We're all called to that. Yeah. So No, and that's kind of that's exactly what I want to talk about today. So how this assumption of Mary actually involves surrendering our sexuality. Wow. You know, the assumption of Mary is not just like a highfalutin thing, like, oh, yeah, let's let's buy a sort of ornate picture and just commemorate that mm-hmm. one time a year. It's actually giving us um, a window into how God is calling us to surrender our sexuality to wow. him. And I want to I want to reference Pope Benedict, um, Meredith Benedict the Sixteenth, <laughs> on on August fifteenth, two thousand five. We're going back, folks. Wow. This is vintage. This is vintage Benedict. But he says this, and it's it's amazing. Talking about Mary, he says she was not afraid that God might be a quote rival in our life, <laughs> that with his greatness he might encroach on our freedom, our vital space. She knew that if God is great. We too are great. Our life is not oppressed, but raised and expanded. It is precisely then that it becomes great in the splendor of God. So I love that. Like Mary, in surrendering to Jesus, surrendering to the Father, to the Holy Spirit, she made room for this God, and it didn't rival her. And even, I, I, I was thinking of myself, like, okay, when I surrendered to Jesus... Uh, I'm I'm not like Mary. <laughs> I had these rivals, you know. I had I had places in my life that rivaled for his greatness, you know. He goes on to say, and I don't mean to be reading at all of you, but it's just profound. He goes on to say, the fact that our first parents, Adam and Eve, thought the contrary was the core of original sin. The contrary being that God would actually be a rival and he would take something away of our greatness. He goes on to say, they feared that if God were too great, he would take something away from their life. They thought that they could set God aside to make room for themselves. I thought, whoa, that, when I read this yesterday, um, it made me think of coming into the light with, with my own sort of homosexual acting out, pornography addiction, all of that. God, God in a good way was rivaling, rivaling that which was not going to make me great, was not going to expand me, was not going to make me magnanimous, was not going to set me on a, on a path of fruitfulness, was not going to set me on the path of actually partaking of his divine state in heaven. Like all of, he wanted to rival that which, which was trying to tear me apart. And so I, I dare say, if you're going to invite Jesus into your life, you better get ready for some violence, the violence of charity, the violence of a clash of two kingdoms to say, God, am I willing to let go of, of, these, of these little things, these idols, maybe even these big idols that I have accommodated in my life? Because when you come, you, you rival that which is so dissonant with you, you know? 
So Mary, she she helps me on this feast of the Assumption. She helps me to resurrender, you know, to to the Lord. Like, okay, I can resurrender. Maybe I'm not resurrendering like <laughs> gay lovers, you know, but I still have places that I can surrender. Like I still have remnants of the divides. We'd be stupid not to say that, right. you know, like, oh, I'm not divided anymore. It's like, well, oh, maybe you're not as divided. But for some reason, like maybe maybe the walls are are much smaller, but they're still kind of there. So just keep surrendering until they're absolutely demolished, you know. And this feast helps me to do that, especially in my sexuality. Another point of just okay, maybe maybe I'm not I'm not giving up actual people in my life anymore. But even like my fantasy, I felt like this reading this this homily, and I, I'd, I'd encourage you to look it up. You can just go on the Vatican website and or go into Google and Benedict the Sixteenth Assumption of the, of the Blessed Virgin Mary, August two thousand five. But it, it helped me to to think like, oh Lord, even there was a season of my life in the seminary where I had to give up fantasy, mm-hmm. like fantasizing, you know, unveiling people in my mind, mm-hmm. you know. It was a rival. The Lord's like. You're not giving me space there, and I want that space. <laughs> and when we give the Lord more space, we actually, we actually become greater, roomier, richer, as Pope Benedict says. We waste time to sort of battle with him, like, well, I want to keep that. Yeah. Can I keep my sexy idols? <laughs> Please, Lord. It's like, come on. Give that up to him. Yeah. And... See just how your life expands. Amen? Yeah. No, I'd love to hear, actually. I'd love to hear you share how, like, what the reward has been of doing that. And so maybe you can speak to that. I can definitely relate on the giving up of fantasy Mm. element because, I mean, there was a time I can remember in college where it was probably a practice of maybe at least 10 or 15 years. So, like, starting pretty young, probably elementary school or something, but... I remember before I went to bed every night, I just would tell myself stories. And that was not inherently bad, but they were my stories. Mm. They they were me creating a a narrative of connection and rescue and being known and wanted and chosen. All of those kind of, not just romantic, but like kind of the interpersonal stroking. Like I want to find a solution to my barrenness, Mm. my emptiness. And and I can do that. And I would, you know, in these narratives that would just kind of be the last thing before I went to bed. And I remember pretty clearly at one point, the Lord just saying, I, I'm not, I don't want you to do that anymore. I don't want that space. And it's kind of a sacred space, right? Right before we fall asleep. It was just really clear. Like, I don't want that space to be the space where you craft your own life or your yeah. own narrative, which is actually not even real. It wasn't reality. This was like the fantasy world of me and people. And and it really, I think it did clear something up in me and it gave space for what I would say is like a holy imagination. God, what do you want to do in that space? I would say kind of in a new way, it's funny how like smartphones kind of enter in and, <laughs> and now it's like, okay, you got to put the smartphone down. That doesn't get the last bit of my time before bed because these spaces, it's a space where God wants to come in, mm-hmm. enter into our world. And as you said, like really take over, really bring it, bring something new there, actually something so much better yeah. if we'll turn it over to him. So anyway, no, I don't absolutely. know, for you? No, and, and I, I liked your question of just like, what, what's been the fruit of that, mm-hmm. you know? I think one, it's trained me just to, 
to be in the light with any sort of rival that wants to get back in. Yeah. You know? Like, I think we'd be foolish to think, like, oh, like, I let go of porn years ago. Like, it never tempts me. It's like, well, <laughs> that's cool. What are you taking? Right. <laughs> Give me that pill. <laughs> Give me that pill. No, but it's like we constantly, I think one thing it's taught me is to live brutally in the light, brutally mm-hmm. honest. Like, and to confess desires before they become deeds. Like, like I want to, I want to do that, you know? And, but yeah, I don't want, I don't want this to rival you. I don't want to set up another altar. Mm-hmm. I clobbered that years ago. And even if there is a part of me that wants to set it back up, it's like, no, come on. Mm-hmm. You know, you've given me such freedom in that. So I want to stay free, you know? I think other areas too, like the Lord feel has expanded my home, my idea of home, mm-hmm. you know? by letting go of those major rivals Hmm. so uh, when i I was in the seminary from 2010 to 2019 figure that one out (laughs) and uh i had such an idea of home that that wasn't what i have now Hmm. and i think i think what i have now and what the lord is expanding even still in me of course till the day i die um is fruit of letting go of these just these rivals you know what i mean yeah like can you imagine what the lord can do you let go of just your sexy idols you know hmm. and um like even now i i just bought a home here in kansas city um i'm open to dating women mm-hmm. i of course still working to heal fractures in my own masculinity but the lord has brought me to such a place as such a, a solidity that i never thought possible you know and He's still working, of course, but all because I let go of that which was rivaling him. And it's all like, thank you for trusting me with that. I'm making you greater, roomier, richer. I'm giving you profound grace that I couldn't give you with those rivals in your home. You know, we couldn't knock down those walls and create a courtyard and a kitchen of beauty, (laughs) whatever, you know, in your imagination, like what would be like you know, the, the home you want to, the Lord to expand in you. I, I couldn't have that if I held on to my comfortable, you know, idols that were rivaling the Lord, yeah. you know? So I think that looks for me today just, yeah, just more um, like vibrant in my, I mean, just my personhood, yeah. you know? Like I just feel more potent. Yeah. I mean, I think it brings it back to Mary, like, what greatness is available to us if we actually let it all go yeah how low our ceilings when we say yeah this is as good as it gets god this is what i can expect out of this life and even if we're like living chastely you know externally behaviorally it's like well does god actually have more for me and frankly when i read this like this passage about rivaling um i i think what mary shows us in this is okay, God has a a vision for my life, for your life, for all of our listeners' lives that are, it's greater than what you can conceive of. And we just settle for less. And so as I read this, and, and you know, this idea that, you know, Mary's not rivaled by God's grandeur. In fact, her surrender to it gives her this place of like, if if you're called to that and you're calling me into fellowship with you, that means you are calling me to something. And so for me as a woman, even, I think this comparison place that says, well, like, well, other people are going to get this, you know, Mary's called to that. Others Hmm. get this good gift. 
but yeah, God, I don't really know what you have for me or is, is what you have for me good? Well, yeah. in, in a way, Mary says, well, I'm not really striving to figure that out because I know that God has greatness for me. And so I'm not trying to compete with any other destiny or calling. I'm just going to surrender myself to him and he's going to kind of magnify himself in me and yes. greatness will come Amen. equally for all of us. God's not a respecter of persons in that regard. So the greatness that he's envisioning for all of our lives, it's better than our low ceilings or yeah. our fantasies or what has displaced in our own beings, relationally, sexually, what's displaced Jesus in our life. The amazing thing is the only way we get the greatness is if he inhabits us. Like Amen. we can't manufacture it. Right. So Mary says, if you inhabit me, Jesus, like I'll become all that you want me to be. And look at what she became. Yeah. So what if he inhabits us? What is he what is he gonna bring forth in our lives if we say yes to his inhabiting? I love that. That's good. And especially like Mary, it was utterly feminine mm-hmm. how she she allowed the Lord to inhabit her, yeah. you know? And I think our sexuality like our gendered sexuality matters <laughs> in that, you know? Mm-hmm how he wants to come and inhabit us, how he wants us to receive him. You know, this Netflix thing came out last week, Pray Away, which we won't talk you know, extensively about. Uh, if, if you want like a response, Andrew Comiskey wrote two responses that are just excellent. You can find them on andrewcomiskey.com. That's andrewcomiskey.com. I do encourage you to read them just as a, as a lens if you do decide to watch this Netflix documentary on, quote, XX gays. <laughs> where people like came out of the gay identification and yet are now back and saying like, oh, it's all kind of a lie. And, you know, you can't, you can't really experience transformation in terms of, of living in accord with like a traditional idea of masculinity and femininity, which is kind of a, is just bizarre. Mm-hmm. One thing that struck me though in their witness is like it lacked a little bit or not a little bit, a lot of bit of... <laughs> Just like this expansive soul, hmm. you know, it didn't seem like, whoa, the Lord has inhabited and like expanded you and and just broke low ceiling vision for you. It was more like, you know, kind of satiating just weird selfish desires, you know, like oh, I'm going to leave my family now because I can have my gay lover. It's kind of like, oh, well, that's, <laughs> that's really disturbing yeah. and kind of that's grievous, you know. Hmm. But what if the Lord can just inhabit that space? And again and again and again, like I'm finding in my own journey, Abby, just how many times I have to invite the Lord in right. and how, how thrilled he is to come deeper into our lives, you know? Like, okay, it's not a once and done thing, you know? But may, you, may the expanse just keep going, Lord. May you expand us, make us deeper, richer, roomier for you, God. And... And, and hopefully uh, at the end of time, re- reach a point where we, where we join Mary and, and, and yourself, Jesus, where these bodies um, are, are not only integrated, um, but they're also, I don't know, they've been purposed for something beyond our imagining, mm-hmm. you know? I have hope for that. Yeah, no, I do too. And I, I mean, I, I'm so grateful for my kind of, communities and charismatic Christianity because I think one of the things I I found there was this vision of like kingdom come kingdom come Mm. we say it all the time in the Lord's Prayer like may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven so Jesus gives us something 
to move into. And I think that for me is like when I see these movies or when I see, you know, people who formally said, you know, this, I'm, I have conflict here. Like I, I want to bring my conflicts to, to Christ and mm. see what he can do with them. But now I'm kind of like, well, I'm not convinced he's going to do anything with them. So it must mean this is who I am. When I see that, and, and even when I experience that in different ways in my own story, it's like, yeah, God, I'm just, I'm heavy, I'm discouraged. I, what I'm not doing is saying, God, kingdom come. Yeah. Like, and your kingdom has a vision here, and I may not fully get it or be capable of kind of creating it in my story, but God, you have a vision. And I think that is what I, in this in this film that we watched, it felt just devoid of that for me. I was like, mm. where is the hope of the kingdom? Yeah. Where's the hope of Christ? Like, he has vision and more for all of us, but... But I, that was not the emotional or spiritual impact I had watching this film. To me, it was like, well, God failed me, and, and my desires didn't change, and so here I am. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't life-filled to me as much as maybe these ones who you know left kind of the journey with the Lord in this area might say, like, well, no, I'm happy now. I'm like, well, happy is one thing, but happiness is only so valuable as it is kind of sourced in in Christ and his kingdom. Right. It's not just about me fulfilling my own desires anymore. I actually, God has a vision for me to set other captives free, to bring them water, to love the poor, to, to serve the needy and brokenhearted. And Mm. yeah, I really think um, that we do that in as much as we've captured that with the Lord. And Mary, Mary's called the cause of our joy in the Mm -hmm. litany of Loretto because she she actually welcomed joy into the world. I mean, she she kind of participated in setting in motion resurrection joy hmm. by giving birth to the savior who who would die and rise again. And so she she helps us to to reclaim joy. And um I'll end with this 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 sort of week prior to assumption August 15th has a procession of amazing saints, you know. <laughs> One of them is St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, who is Edith Stein, uh, a Jewish young young lady who actually died in Auschwitz. And um, she reminds me of, uh, in a way, <laughs> he's probably going to be bashful if he hears this, but of Comiskey, Andrew Comiskey, because in her writing, uh, Andrew, Andrew mentions this a little bit in, in his in his second part to pray away this Netflix thing. But he mentions the tension of being free, but also continuing to be set free Mm. that I'm, I'm more, I'm more vulnerable today than I was yesterday. And that's okay. You know, like when the Lord comes and makes room in our life and, and the rivals are, 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 are out of the way, we do experience a a certain vulnerability, Mm. you know, and Teresa Benedicta of the Cross spoke about this. I was reading in the Magnificat. She talks about this tension of kind of crying with the children of the world, but always rejoicing with the angels in heaven. Like this tension of when you become a disciple, you have to you have to learn how to be really faithful in tension. You know? The already not yet. Like, yeah, yeah the Lord set me free, but he continues to do it. But I'm gonna die in Auschwitz. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> yes, I mean she she went she went the distance yeah. and and grateful for these ones these strong pillars who go the distance and show us how to 
how to live in the tension of being a disciple. Yeah. You know, Christ never, never promised that we'd have struggleless discipleship. Right. You know, but He did promise that we'd have life and have it abundantly. When we invite Him in, let go of the rivals. Mary, Mary's preparing a place for us to <laughs> join. Amen to that. Until next time, God bless you guys.